Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. You know, I mean, there are times when you, you're working on something and you're not getting anywhere. You, you feel like, you know, hell, this is, uh, this is not for me. And you think about walking away, but it's like, what's going to push you past that level and still keep trying, keep looking at different options uh, to, you know, to get through that wall and, and, and be able to succeed. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Hey, I got to let you guys know, I'm excited about the partnership that I've uh, created with Frog Fuel. So Frog Fuel is a protein-based company. It's a super protein. And what it is, I'm just going to simplify it and explain it, is collagen, which is the predominant protein that's in animals and in people. So collagen protein has a unique amino acid profile and then is the most critical building block of structural supporting and connective tissues in the body. And so from the day you're born until the day you die, your body is continually breaking down and replacing proteins. Frog fuel is a fast absorbing form of collagen protein that is fortified with amino acids. That means your body will absorb this within 15 minutes. And it comes in little small packs where you don't have to have a blender. You don't have to shake it till you, till you make it type of protein mix. Your body absorbs it. And it does that in a very efficient way. So if you're looking to up your game, whether it's repairing, recovering, 
or strengthening your muscles, Frog Fuel is the way to go. So you can you can get you some at frogfuel.com and please use Sharp Effect 20 to be able to get 20% off your first order. I want to thank you all once again for tuning in to the Shark Effect. I'm really blown away by, by the amount of positive um, impact that I'm having and my, my guests are having to you all. I get tons of emails and messages on social media telling me about the impact that people are having with listening to the Shark Effect. So I'm extremely excited for that. I'm also excited to introduce you to um, another episode and to our guest. His name is Amit Vaghela, and he's the founder and CEO of Sapiens Group, the company behind several brands, including UV Bright and Paul. Amit grew up in Australia and started his career in finance for a large investment bank. And after moving to New York with the same firm, Amit eventually moved to a hedge fund where he focused on investing in emerging markets and growth sectors. He started his own company, Sapiens Group, in 2016 after realizing that many consumer-focused products didn't seem to be made with consumers in mind. And there was a need for products that were designed by consumers for consumers. And so that started him on his path of being an entrepreneur. And he shares some, some great insights for for people who are in the business world or who, who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or who's a, a leader, he shares some great insights that can help any and all of us become better at being a better business person and a better uh, leader. So I can't wait for you guys to, to tune in. All right, let's go. Amit, how are you doing, my man? Hey, number one, I'm excited to hear, you know, to... Yeah. To, to hear from you again. And I'm also excited for my listeners to get to hear a little bit about you and your story and some of, uh, you know, some of the, the ways of thinking that, that has caused you to have a lot of success. And so I, I'm, I'm excited on a couple of different fronts, but man, I wanna thank you for, for, for being a guest on The Shark Effect. Alex, thank you so much. It's a true honor to be on here and, uh, you know, really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely, man. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Just, you know, um, because it's, it's one thing for me to be able to, you know, look, look over your, your bio, but I love for, for people to kind of give us a, you know, kind of um, pull, the, pull the, the curtains back a little bit on, on who they are. Sure, sure. Uh, so I grew up in Australia. Um, I studied engineering in school. Uh, coming out of school, I decided I wanted to be in finance. Uh, you know, it seemed appealing. It was very exciting. So jumped into finance, um, spent a couple of years in Australia working for a large investment bank. And, you know, after a few years, the career uh, progression wasn't what I wanted it to be, so they offered to move me to New York. I ended up uh, transferring over to New York. I believe I was the youngest person that they'd ever transferred um, internationally. But um, yeah, so I ended up transferring to New York, um, spent another year with them, moved to a hedge fund where I was uh, managing 
uh, an emerging markets portfolio for about 11 years. And near the end of it, I was sort of getting a little bit disillusioned with the entire industry and the process and, and so on. I felt like I was, you know, um, in a hamster, uh, running a hamster wheel, just going round and round without, um, you know, seeing any, uh, you know, creating anything tangible. So it got me thinking about, you know, doing something on my own and creating something tangible that, you know, that that people can use that, um, you know, makes a difference. So I, I got into the consumer product space and, um, you know, sort of started my own company doing that. Um, and, did, uh, you know, been doing that for about four to five years now. Um, and then because of, you know, because of business, I ended up having to travel a lot, um, you know, to meet my clients, um, you know, and I was flying maybe, you know, once, twice a week uh, for a couple of years. And um, just being a curious person that I am, I, you know, I, I, I just keep watching what other people were doing and, and, and so on while, while waiting to board my flights. And I noticed that more and more people were starting to use um, or, or carry their own water bottles, which I thought was fantastic because, you know, I, I think single-use plastic bottles are, you know, one of the most expensive and wasteful products that have been created in our society. Uh, but I still noticed that a lot of people were, you know, when they go uh, through security, they would go make a beehive for uh, Hudson News and pick up the $4, $5 bottle of water. Um, so I just started asking them, um, you know, hey, uh, why, you know, why do you purchase this bottle instead of uh, just bringing your own? Um, and I thought the answer would have been convenience, um, that they don't have to carry a water bottle around, clean it, and so on. Mm -hmm. But I found that the biggest reason that people were doing it is they didn't trust the quality of the water uh, in the water fountains at the airport. They weren't sure if the filters were being replaced often enough, who else had been drinking water from there, and they were worried about catching um, some, you know, a flu or, or, or you know, some diseases. So it got me thinking about, you know, how can we solve for this problem? Because it's a huge problem. It has a massive impact on the environment if less people are using um, these single-use plastic bottles. So it led me to, you know, work with my team of uh, engineers and designers and, and, and sort of come up with this product, which uh, solves that problem. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's an insulated water bottle which uh, has um, a patent pending UVC technology in it, which essentially reduces bacteria by up to 99.99% in, in the water um, through by just running a single cycle, which is anywhere from 90 seconds to 180 seconds. And at the end of it, you're getting, you, you drink water that you know is not going to make you sick. And the other cool thing about the product is while it's purifying the water, it is also uh, keeping the bottle clean. It reduces the buildup of mold, bacteria, and so on inside the bottle. So that funky smell you get when you, um, you know, when you keep a bottle closed for a couple yeah. of days with a bit of water in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this gets rid of that. Um, so, you know, I've tested it myself where I, I kept one of the bottles um, with a little bit of water in it and for three, four days it was starting to smell and then I ran 
five, six cycles. This is after the mold is already built up. And after five, six cycles, the smell just went away. Um, so, you know, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's massively effective against uh, microbes. And the cool thing is this is proven technology that's being used elsewhere. We just found a way to uh, bring that uh, to water bottles. That is, man. So number one, what a great, like, insights that you've already dropped. You saw something that you could, I want to say capitalize, but, but something that was needed, right, in the marketplace. And you ask questions, so you got invaluable insights from, from people, consumers, and then you put together a team. That, man, that's, that's, that's really cool for me. And, you know, me being on, on the health side of, of, of the spectrum, you know, everything I'm, I'm trying to do is, is, you know, I'm all about health, whether it's mm -hmm. myself or people who yeah. come in contact with me. Man, this was a no-brainer to be able to get this and, and you know, be, have UV Bright be a, a sponsor of the Shark Effect. But, man, I want, I, I want to know, like, with that way of thinking, like your, the, the structure that you kind of put together to think of this, is there any other things that you would have liked to have create or you like, man, if this wasn't, if UV Bright wasn't there, what else would you have created? So there's an interesting uh, idea that I've been tossing around in my head and I think it would require uh, a lot of work, but I, I'm basically looking at this holistically as, how can we make a difference to the environment? I mean, you know, with what's happening in the world right now with, uh, you know, with uh, climate change and, uh, you know, the proliferation of wasteful products um, in our society, I, I just keep thinking about what else can we do? So, you know, um, I mean, plastic bags are something that a lot of people have tackled uh, quite effectively. We're coming out with plastic uh, made out of cornstarch, which is biodegradable. Um, and compostable as well, I believe. Uh, and, you know, and then the, the sort of replacing all the, uh, the plastic bags that we use with that. But one, one other product that I've been sort of mulling in my head is, um, is uh, our toothbrushes. Uh, you know, I mean, we, oh. we go through them so often, you know, once a month or once every three to four weeks, we're, we're throwing the toothbrush away. And what? Oh, once a month? <laughs> I'm saying you got man, average. I got mine for like I got mine. For, I keep mine for like six months. Maybe there's something I need to be doing. Goodness, your dentist is not going to be happy to hear that. <laughs> man, <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, we're, we're throwing these away. It's pure plastic. Um, you know, the bristles are made out of nylon. Uh, you know, it's it, it's sitting around forever. And, you know, it's like, how can we sort of replace this with uh, something that is biodegradable? I mean, I, there are some companies that are making the handles out of bamboo, which is great, but the bristles that they're using are still, um, I think about 40 to 60% made out of crude oil and it's not compostable. So, you know, looking at different ways that we can, uh, we can find an organic source for the, the bristles, which still give you the same effect as a nylon bristle, but it gets rid of um, it gets rid of the wasteful plastics that we use right now. So wow, man. So how, with this creativity 
that you that you have. How did you get it? Did you just used to read books like all day, every day growing up? Or whereas, you know, I'm interested to hear like in your (laughs) culture, like what culture that you grew up in that that caused you to have these different ideas of thinking, you know, outside, I'm going to say outside the box, but just thinking about the environment, just thinking like, how can you make things better? Or did it come later in life? So, no, it actually came at an early age. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ethnically Indian. Uh, you know, my, my parents, uh, you know, born and raised in India. They, they lived there for many years before uh, moving to Australia. And I think one of the things that was ingrained in me and, um, and my younger sister at a young age is that, you know, uh, you have to constantly look to improve yourself. Um, so, you know, it, it involved a ton of reading. I used to watch a lot of documentaries in my free time, um, you know, even growing up, uh, read a lot of books. And it was, and, you know, and having a dad who was an engineer as well, um, sort of, you know, always had me thinking about, well, you know, if you get something, let's break it apart, see how it works. Um, and I bro- I've broken a lot of toys when I was a little kid, just you know, getting a screwdriver and just unscrewing it and then the springs go flying everywhere. And then it's like, uh-oh, now I'm in trouble. Uh, but, you know, it just, it, it's, uh, my parents just sort of encouraged me from a young age just to think about things and, and figure out how things work because then the natural progression from that is, okay, I know how this works, but, you know, what if I did this? Would that make it better? Or how else can I think about doing it differently? Uh, so, you know, having that opportunity to, to, to look at things and sort of explore naturally brought on the, um, the other aspect is like, well, okay, what can you do to improve it? Man, that is so interesting. You just took me back like 30, almost <laughs> 40 years, man. Cause my twin brother, uh-huh. he was like that. He would take apart right? things like radio shack yeah. back in the day. Yeah. That was, that was the, that was the cool store for him. <laughs> Ram, we would go to Radio Shack. Every time we went to the mall, we was going to Radio Shack. But he would go to Radio Shack and I would go to like Foot Locker or something like that. But I remember him taking apart our TV. Yeah. He wanted to figure out like, how did it work? And the, the interesting thing is that kind of that spark that started him down his road, like, he wanted to be an engineer. Right. I don't know if we really even called it that. He just liked to see how things work. Yeah. But that's what he's doing now for Microsoft. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but it's like when you, yeah, when you can follow your path, first figuring out like what do you like, who, who you are, and right. then start to align yourself. I always talk about alignment, assignment, and adjustment. But you start to align like your passions with with purpose and in who you are man that's where joy is and it sounds like you know even though you had success in the financial spectrum the financial area it's like man just hearing just hearing you say that and talk about it it's like you're having you're having fun yeah you're having yeah. fun <laughs> or, yeah i mean am i lying or or what no no it's it it it, it you you've nailed it uh, you know, it's like uh, when we're designing new products, you're sitting there working with the designers, looking at prototypes and sort of trying to figure out how to solve some challenges. You know, it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're trying to create this product. 
uh, you know, we want to achieve this. How do we get there? What can we play around with the designs? And, you know, it, it, I love it. You know, that's actually the, the favorite part of uh, what I do right now is just sort of creating new products, solving challenges, uh, you know, figuring out problems. Uh, and, you know, and, and then some, sometimes you'd, you'd just be walking down the street and you observe something and, and it just sparks a, a thought in you and, you, you know, or you get an epiphany and you're like, well, hang on a second. I know how I can solve this problem just by, you know, watching something, you know, it could be a guy carrying uh, some boxes or something, but, you know, it'll, it'll strike a, a, a thought in your head and, and suddenly, you, you know, you rush back, you try to uh, note down everything you can and, you know, before you speak to the designer. So it's, it, it's wonderful. I absolutely love it. You know, it, yes. and, and the best feeling is when you're walking down the street and you see someone carrying one of your products, um, oh. <laughs> you know, that's a, <laughs> That's that's the that's the most satisfying part. That's so cool. Well, you know, it sounds like you're working with different teams, right? Tell me because you know I talk about leadership a ton on this on this podcast. I think it's something that um, I use in my life every day, and I practice it. Where before I didn't, and I really didn't put really intention to why I followed somebody. I just followed them because they was in the position of leadership. Right. You know, especially in my previous career, when I played football, you was the coach. I was the, you know, I guess the employee. And no matter about how much you made or I made, you was yeah. in that position. I have to listen to you. Right. Now, you know, so I, that was my dynamic, but I love to hear stories of people in other, you know, um, areas of, of employment, like how do you lead? Like what's, what's leadership, whether it's good or bad, what is leadership defined by, by you and me? So from, from my point of view, I, you know, I, I start off with the assumption that I'm not a subject matter expert on anything. Have you ever done a science experiment like back in the day in high school? Well, one science experiment I did, I, I remember this like, like it was yesterday, but we took a swab of different parts of the school. Some kids did the bottom of the shoe. Some kids did like in the bathroom. Other kids did like the, uh, the handles of doors. Well, I remember doing one of the drinking fountain, like right where the water comes out. So I did that, put it on the Petri dish, and then you let it uh, kind of grow. And after a couple of days, like it was disgusting. And that was the last day that I was drinking, that I ever drunk out of a, a drinking fountain. Yeah, Cause it was, it was, a, it was disgusting. So I'm saying that because I found something better. UV bright, UV bright is a smart water bottle that purifies water on the go. And it uses UVC lead technology that's built right into the cap. So you got water purification, self-cleaning, touch sensor, it's waterproof and insulated, and you can take it on the go anywhere. I mean, golf course, camping, athletic events, and all you gotta do is find water from any source that it's, you know, make sure that the water is clear. You tap on the top to activate the UV Bright's UVC purification technology, you wait, 90 to 180 seconds 
and bam, you got clean drinking water. It changes the game. And here's the cool thing. It's not that expensive. For a 20, 20 ounce bottle, it costs $60. And for the smaller, it's called the Go Bottle, it's 18.6 ounces, that's $40. But here's the extra cool thing. If you use Shark Effect 15, you get 15% off. How about that? Yes, you're welcome. Go get you one. All you gotta do is go to uv-bright.com. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I do a lot of is, is get inputs from everyone around me. Uh, you know, and I encourage people to, you know, to be very open, to give criticism, you know, anything good or bad, uh, you know, I, let me know. It, it's up to me how I react to it. Um, and the other part of it is once I do react to it by making a decision, I have to own the decision, good or bad. Uh, I have to be confident that I made the decision um, based on whatever information I had available at the time. And, you know, hindsight is always, you know, 2020 and, you know, information comes out later, which could prove you brutally wrong. But based on the information I have, have I made the right decision? Uh, and, you know, and, and also learning from my mistakes. So if I made a decision based on X amount of information or certain data points, next time around and if it was wrong next time around i get that i have to be able to learn from it and not make the same mistake you know with the same data points and there you know what there's some foundational principles that i live by yeah. and that i coach on that you just talked about number one like owning your your mistakes owning your failures right and th those are the th those are the things that you that you learn the most is when good things don't always happen you learn more from that. 100%. Right? 100%. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's where it's at. It's, it's being able to do that. And then another, another point is you, you're going off the data, not off of just your emotions. A lot of us are really tied to our emotions to where you feel a certain way, even though the data points you one way, you, yes. you make decisions based off of how you feel. And I think that's that's very... That's very dangerous, but you're, you're speaking in very like, you know, the language of, it doesn't matter in what, what, what job you do in what environment you in, let's right. take information from the data yep. and let's, let's make our decisions from that. Let's also take information from, you know, emotions, but that can't be the only way that can't be the only way you make decisions. Yep. No, you're hundred percent right. I mean, that can be an input. Uh, you know, a gut feel and things like that can be an input. Uh, but, you know, you, you have to follow the data because, I mean, even if you're wrong following the data, as long as the process is correct, uh, I mean, there's always a probability that you'll be right or wrong. But as long as you're following the process, which proves to be right more often than wrong, and you're replicating that enough times, over time, you know, you will, uh, you will come out ahead and, and, and make the right decisions. Mm, that's good. So tell me one, like, what was a hiccup? What was one of those, those moments where things didn't go right? You got, <laughs> you got beat for a touchdown. You lost <laughs> the game. You lost the game. And now everybody's looking at you kind of funky. 
Can you, can you share so with many us? of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can share you a, a, a real doozy. Um, a couple of years ago, um, you know, we started selling one of our products. It wasn't the, the water bottles. It was, uh, uh, it wasn't UV bright. It was another brand that I had in one of the largest, um, airport retailers in America. Um, you know, and I went for a meeting, I met with the CEO of the company and, um, you know, he loved what we we're doing. He loved our products. Um, and a week later we get a massive purchase order. So we're all excited. You know, we, we, we get the good ship. Um, you know, a couple of weeks later, the sales data comes out. It's fantastic. Products are selling like hotcakes. Uh, so they, they order more, we ship more, we ship more. Now, uh, with a lot of these retailers, they, they don't pay you when you ship the goods. You have to wait, you know, anywhere from 60 to 90 days, depending on the, the size of the retailer to get, get paid. So, you know, we were building up receivables, but this is a big company. So we said, okay, we, we keep doing it. And, uh, you know, then they made one payment, they ordered even more goods. And then the uh, payment started getting a bit delayed. So then, uh, you know, then we, we stopped shipping and I, you know, we're, we're sort of pushing our buyer, we're pushing the CEO, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what's happening. And turns out this company was in dire financial straits oh. and they didn't have money to pay us. Um, and, you know, at that point. But yeah, they were still getting the products. They, they got the products. They, they were selling too- the products. Okay. They, they, we asked them to return the unsold inventory. They, they didn't even do that because they were running out of goods to stock the shelves. So they were selling through these like crazy um, and, but they didn't have the money to pay us. And we went through a period of about three months of extreme stress, wondering if we're going to see a dime of this, or if we're going to have to go through the bankruptcy filing where we might've got, you know, cents on the dollar back. Um, and, you know, this, we had huge liabilities, cash flow issues related to this. Um, and then, Thankfully, they got bought out by another company who paid all their creditors off. And, you know, I would basically written it off to zero by this point. I said, you know, just not assume we're not getting anything back and make plans uh, based off that. And then suddenly we saw this payment come through and, and, you know, one big check. And it was such a big relief. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so what was, what could you have done better? I should have been. Yeah, I should have been better with my uh, risk assessment and cut them off sooner. Uh, you know, basically said, look, uh, you know, until we get payments for the first, uh, you know, in, uh, in full, we're not going to ship any more goods to you and limited our losses. I mean, I don't think I could have completely eliminated the losses uh, because if you try to play it that safe, then you're not going to grow. So you have to be able to take risks to grow but I should have limited the amount of risk that I had taken uh, with that particular customer um, to a manageable amount, something that as a business we could absorb. Got it. So kind of letting them know, communicating earlier rather than later, like what the standards are. Right, right. So yeah, just uh, you know, giving them an amount, just basically saying, look, until we're only opening a credit line of X amount to you, uh, if your orders go beyond that, we won't ship until you make payments on previous orders. Um, you know, and we didn't do that. We just kept an open credit line for them. We just kept shipping. Got it. Okay. It's a big lesson learned. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> okay. So tell me this. 
when somebody wants to work in your company for you, you know, because I have a lot of 20 year olds, early 30s who, who listen to my podcast. What is like some of the, I don't know, some of the interviews or whatnot? I don't know if you're involved in it or whatnot, but even if it's just the uh, employees, what makes uh, what makes a good employee? What are you looking for when you get it, when you're onboarding new people into your company? Sure. Uh, th- I'd say the number one thing that I'm looking for is drive. Uh, I think the two things are needed to succeed, uh, at least based on my opinion, one is intelligence and second is drive, but intelligence is secondary to drive. Uh, and, you know, I honestly don't care about uh, you know, what school you've got a degree from and, you know, how intelligent you think you are. Uh, I want to see drive because I've worked with enough people and I've had enough people working for me who on paper seem like complete rock stars. And then when you have them come work for you, either they don't have the drive to actually deliver stuff on time or the quality of the work is not there, um, you know, or they're, they're maybe what you call book smart, but they don't actually, they can't apply that to, uh, a business environment effectively enough. Uh, so, you know, that to me is the most most critical thing for someone young to have. I mean, I would hire someone who has no experience in a particular field, but if they have the drive to learn and they put in the effort to do it, I would rather have that person working for me than someone with 10 years of experience in that field. That is a beautiful golden nugget. And here's the cool thing to to all my listeners right now. It doesn't matter what environment. I mean, just talked about that. I've seen it on the athletic side of things. I'm still coaching. I I coach high school football. And believe it or not, there's a lot of kids who don't know what drive is. They don't understand what going all out, like go 100%. They still don't understand that. So sometimes I have to show them. I have to, like, I have to really define it for them. And sometimes it gets frustrating because they don't know, but you know, they might have a different environment growing up than I did. Yep. I understand how important that drive is and like want to. So I mean, how do you define drive? So for me, a drive is not putting something down or not giving up until you figured it out. You know, it could be anything. It could be wherever you are, uh, but just completely persevering at it. I mean, um, you know, I, I personally have done that. Uh, you know, when I started in this industry, I didn't know anything. I, I had absolutely zero knowledge of what it took to set a company up. And I had to go and learn it. And I was, um, at the time, I was still working in finance when I set this up. And I would be, you know, I'd, I'd be in my day job. Um, I would be up till four o'clock in the morning working on this business at night. And then still wake up at six o'clock in the morning to go to the office. Um, not letting my work suffer, but while, you know, still building this up. And I didn't want this to suffer either. So it didn't matter. I mean, I've had nights where I didn't sleep. Uh, but this was important to me. My job was important to me. So I just had to keep doing it. And I think that's, that to me is the critical part. Like, you know, I've, I've had a couple of 
young kids that I've hired, and, and one of them in particular stands out, you give him a, a, a problem and, you know, it could be something that the kid has no idea about. And it's like, look, I have a project for you. It's this, uh, you know, go away, come back to me within a week and tell me, you know, uh, with a plan of how you'd solve this problem or, or whatever it is. And you see the kid, it's like, he, you don't hear from him. You don't see him. He's working, he's working, whether it's in the office, whether it's at home, he comes back to you a week later, or maybe even a few days earlier than that with his assessment of what the issue is, how to solve it, and what he's got, what he has to learn and how long it'll take him to do that. And I absolutely love it. Um, you know, that, that, that to me is, is, is pure passion and drive. He wants to improve, he wants to learn, he wants to get better at what he's doing. And at, you know that you can just keep throwing bigger and bigger challenges and this person's going to be able to deliver on them. You know, and, and that, that is senior management right there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if he can do it, he can motivate others to do it under it. Oh, I love that. I love that. What is the biggest obstacle to stop people from doing exactly that? I have an idea, but I want to hear you. <laughs> I'm guessing it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's having uh, that perseverance, right? Like a, uh, that's a that, that's a tough one for me because I'd say that there are so many distractions out there. It's, it's being able to stay focused on a task at hand and knowing that I have to I have to finish it. I mean, I'm sure, Alex, you'll be able to articulate this uh, articulate this in much better terms than I have. Um, but I don't you know, know about it, that. <laughs> <laughs> but it essentially, I guess, it comes down to it's like, do you have the focus? Do you are you able to just stay on that task? You know whether you know, I mean, there are times when you, you're working on something and you're not getting anywhere. You, you feel like, you know, hell, this is, uh, this is not for me. And you think about walking away. But it's like, what's going to push you past that level and still keep trying, keep looking at different options uh, to, you know, to get through that wall and, and, and be able to succeed? You know, mm. um, That's something. I was thinking on the, on the other side of things where, you know, as an athlete side, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times I, I, I love, see, that's why I love having conversations with people who doesn't have the same background as me, because I, I have something, you know, I look through things sometimes through an athlete's lens. Right. And because that's been my world. And I understand one of the things that causes people to not have drive or not show that want to is either lack of knowledge lack of discipline or their ego, their ego gets in the way. Their ego gets in the way of not just their success, but a team's success. No, you're right. Like I said, you're you're going to put this in much more articulate terms than I will. (laughs) And and, and you definitely did. No, you're you're, you're 100% right. I think uh, ego plays a massive role. Discipline, obviously, uh, and that's something you know, I, I, I think people can train um, to be disciplined, uh, but some part of it is, uh, you know, it's inherent. You know, there are some people who are just born with that discipline where they'll just keep going, uh, you know, without, without stopping. Uh, it, and it, Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Please. No, I was just saying, like, is that like that competitiveness in people? Because there's some people who are, com- who are competitors and they don't even play a sport. So it's not just about like your sport. I'm telling yeah. you, the most, 
I'm a hands down the most competitive person I know mm-hmm. is my wife. And she on play sport, her own sport. She played, she jump rope. She, she was part of the cheerleading team <laughs> in high school. But she is the most competitive person that I know. Amazing. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, the competition can come in any different ways. It could just be, you don't even have to compete against people. It, it, it could be competing against a problem. It's like, well, how can I not solve this problem? I just have to get through this. I have to figure this out. Uh, That's you know, so I, I completely agree with you that. That's great. I mean, man, tell me like, uh, well, number one, I want to, uh, I want you to share for people like if they, you know, we want to get more of you. If they want to follow you, you have any social media or website that can point people to you and, and, you know, some of the products that you might have out there. Sure. Sure. So, um, our, our bottles, um, it's called UV bright. Um, and you know, what, one of the keys that we did with, uh, with coming up with that product is we wanted to make it at different price points and we wanted to make it, uh, you know, at, at a price point where most people can afford it without having to think twice. You know, we, we, we want to get this out that we want people to, to, you know, have a product that they can trust and not have to rely on bottled water. Um, so the website for that is uh, www.uv-brite.com. Okay, and I'll have that, and, I have that in the show notes too. And um, yeah, and our social media is my UV bright um, on Instagram, Facebook. I, I tell you what, that product is so cool. Number one, it looks dope. It looks futuristic, <laughs> like out of Tron. It looks, it looks, <laughs> looks really cool. But then, like what it does, um, you know, I feel very comfortable getting water at just about anywhere now, and then be able to yeah. like press press a button and it lights up and does cool things. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm able to drink it and don't smell all funky. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, any, any sort of clear source of water that you can find, uh, you know, it, it will make the water safe to drink. I mean, we've had a lot of customers um, tell us that they, they took this on trips to countries where, you know, potable water is not very reliable, you know, uh, you know, where uh, the quality of the water is not the best, uh, you know, coming out of taps where you can, you can easily get sick from it. And they took it there and they used it. Um, and they said, you know, they didn't have to buy bottled water. And, uh, you know, we had one customer uh, contact us and say, I just took this for three weeks to Mexico, came back. And this is it. You know, I absolutely love it. I've heard horror stories yeah. from people who drink water from Mexico. No, I, you know, I've yeah. never, I've only been there a couple of times, but I, I've just, I've heard so many horror stories. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, and, you know, it applies wherever, whether you're in the field, um, you know, you're going camping, you're going hiking, you're, you're, you're a frequent traveler. Uh, you know, the, the, the product has been designed uh, to be easy, convenient. It's not, it's not bulky. It's not big about the size of a regular water bottle um you know the starting point of the water bottles are the, the cost is around the same as uh, some of the branded water bottles you know the uh mm-hmm. you look at some of the, the the branded ones that they sell in stores and uh you know we're, we're about the same price as them and and we did that on purpose because i wanted to ensure that we can get this in the hands of as many people as possible um and you know and and hopefully make a difference in the long term 
Mm, that's great, man. Making a difference. I love that. I mean, man, thank you so much for being a guest on the Shark Effect. Um, you know, this has been really cool and eye-opening. Is there any like closing golden night nuggets you can give my folks? Because you've already dropped a ton in terms of like whether it's leadership or just understanding things at a deeper level. Is there any other golden nuggets you can share? Uh, uh, I'd like to share one thing. Um, so this is something that uh, my father uh, taught me when I was a lot younger. And uh, you know, when I was in school, I, I had a time when I had, you know, I was taking a lot of classes. I had a ton of project work and everything was due in a week. And I was so stressed that I was paralyzed. Um, like I, I knew I couldn't get everything done. I was paralyzed and, you know, and he basically told me, he's like, do whatever you can, but make sure you're doing it at peak efficiency at like, you know, and whatever you get done, you get done. Whatever you don't get done, you don't get done. You know, it's a sort of his version of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So, you know, when in a situation where you're completely overwhelmed with work and, uh, you know, with, with different priorities, just start tackling them one at a time. Don't worry about what you can and can't get done because that's going to happen regardless. You're not going to get everything done. You know that for a fact, that's why you're stressed. But at least if you don't think about that and you just focus on what you need to get done, then you'll probably achieve more than you would have otherwise. Bam. <laughs> that's sweet. I mean, thank you very much, my man. I Alex, look forward, man. I, I definitely want to have you on again if you if you accept this invite. Definitely, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on the podcast. Uh, you know, really appreciate your time and everything that you're doing for us. And uh, hopefully, I'll get to speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on kindle and who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra to transition what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you I break it down, I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you gotta understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision-making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards 
So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.